Welcome to Awakenings Movement Podcast. Awakenings Movement is a community where dreamers become believers and believers become doers. Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12. Okay, we're excited to see Ammo back in the building. DJ, iPod Ammo. Yes. Back from Brooklyn. You said what? Uh, man, how, how many years have you been living in New York? Dang. Does it feel like two to you? That was it. Ooh, every bit of two years. Okay, let's read this together. Ready? Well, wait, I'm sorry. Has everybody turned to it in their own Bible? In case you want to mark your own Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. Oh, sorry, sorry, dude. Yes, verse 12. Thank you, Devon. Thank you so much. Thanks for engineering that correction. This little chord is so petite. We call, we call it the, the penny chord. <laughs> this chord's for you, Penny. <laughs> this chord's for you. All right. You guys there? All right, here we go. <clears throat> Let's read this together. Ready? Read. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall fu fully, even as I have been fully known. This scripture illumines what it means to awaken to our purest likeness. When we turn to Christ, when we turn to face God, our truest likeness turns to face us. There is no other way to face your truest likeness as a created being other than to turn to the creator. You turn to the creator to know how you were created, all right? Now, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. As you turn to the creator, you recognize how you were created. And only when you turn to the creator will you know fully yourself as you are seen by the one who made you, okay? All right, can we read this together? And this time, man, I, you know what I want us to do? I want us to read the scripture as if it is ancient text. I want us to not take it as if it's just a present fleeting moment of an experience with words. Let's imagine that this is a time machine, okay? And as we read these words, we read these words with generations of people who have read them before us. We read them from the first century to this present century. It's a time machine, not just from the past to the present, but also into the future. For in these words lies the capacity for us to live our highest potential even into the future. So don't read these words like we're just reading some words for today. Let's read these words like we are reading 360 degrees past, present, and future. Now, are you ready to go into this time machine? Okay, good, good. We should always read scripture like that. Never read scripture as if it's just passe. Read it as if it is a divine, magnificent time machine. Ready? Read. Take a good look. Stop right there. Take, take a good what? Look. Friends. Take a, oh yeah, that's Michelle. Yeah. Okay, ready, read again. 
Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life, this life, a life with Christ, a life with God. Ready? Read. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Wait a minute. <laughs> Dang, Paul. Okay, all right. Uh, that was pretty hard hit. Let's, let's keep going. Not many influential. Not isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretentious? Oh my God. So we begin with, let's just keep going, I'm sorry. Let's, let's keep going, sorry, sorry, sorry. Ready, read. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, and a fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to the Lord, you the Lord. Glory for the Lord. Man, look at this, man. This scripture right here, the Apostle Paul has a beautiful way of admonishing the saints. We find in 1 Corinthians, he writes this letter to the church of Corinth because it was divided. The church was divided because some people's expression of what it meant to follow Jesus, they thought was better than others. And so they split up into these different churches, even though they were supposed to be one church of Corinth. They split up into these different churches with different apostles and different deacons and different pastors. Everybody thinking that they were better than the other because of their perception perspective on the gospel, the apostle Paul then writes this letter. He begins the letter, the, the letter with like a celebration of who they are, you know, take a good look, friends. But then he tells the truth about who they were before they met Christ. He says, I don't see many of you who are the brightest and the what? Best. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Not many, what? Influential. Not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women? The culture what? Let's, let's focus on this word. What? Overlooks. Okay, now let's, let's just keep going. Man, this lady right here, Ruby D. Look at this image. Just elegant and beautiful. She says this, the kind of beauty I want most is the heart to get kind that comes from within, strength, courage, dignity. These are the words that represented her purest likeness. But you know, Ruby Dee didn't grow up privileged. She didn't grow up the best and the brightest. She didn't grow up in the best neighborhood. She, she, she rose from the ashes, if you will, to the stardom and to the success that has lasted her entire lifespan. They ain't nowhere Ruby Dee can go. No generation she can speak to that people cannot honor that these things have become her purest likeness, strength, courage, and dignity. Whether you're talking to a five-year-old who hears her voice in Little Bill, you know, Little Bill's grandmother, right? Or whether you see us hearing her in a Spike Lee film, you know, we all recognize that there is an indelible mark she's laid on culture, but that mark was not made beginning with this dignified upcoming. She rose from the ashes. I want to ask you right quick, what do you think it was? She, didn't she wasn't raised uh, in strength. She wasn't raised in courage. She wasn't raised 
in dignity. What are some things you think she had to face that combated all of those things? Being an African-American woman who was on a national platform, but not from the best space in terms of neighborhood. What are some of the things you think she had to face? Say what? Abuse. Racism. And in racism, we find what? Abuse. <laughs> Exploitation. And lastly? Neglect. Neglect. It may be, it may be that she found being overlooked for certain parts that she, right? It may be that she found being exploited, right? It may be that she found abuse, yet God chose her to represent these core values. Let's read them together. Ready? Read. Strength, courage, dignity. As we turn to face God, our purest likeness returns to face us. Who is the chief antagonist of my purest self? It's not rhetorical. Who is the chief antagonist to me being my purest self? Myself. What part of myself? My ego. My ego. Who is the ego, Marlon? I'm so happy you asked. Let's read this together. Ready, read. The ego is our self-image, not our true self. It is characterized by labels, masks, images, and judgments. The true self is the field of possibilities, creativity, intentions, and power. We can go beyond the ego through self-awareness, awareness of our thoughts, feelings, and speech. Today we're going to talk a lot about speech, okay? Using our speech as a means to the end of getting to our purest likeness through our ego. Hey, how are you? Good. How does it work against our purest likeness, Marlon? I'm so happy you asked. Well, let's lay it out. The ego is the false constructed self. Every time you put on a mask, the mask is the what? Every time you use a label to make a point, the label is the what? Every time you form an image, anything different than your purest likeness, that image is the... Every time you make a judgment of someone else, whether they're recognizing your own possibility to be corrected and to do something better, that is your ego, right? Well, what are you, what's your purest likeness, Marlon? Thank you for asking. Your true intentions are your what? Now, it's important for you to say this out of your mouth. It comes out of your mouth into your ears. Don't nobody listen to you like you, right? So it needs to come out of your mouth and into your own ears, okay? Not, not trying to put pressure on you, but <laughs> intentions. Power. Pure power is your what? Possibility is your? Creativity is your? Well, then, Marlon, what can we do to turn from our false constructed ego to our created self, our purest likeness? I'm so happy you asked. Thank you for asking. Self-awareness. Turning to the creator through the power of the Holy Spirit means that you focus on your beliefs, not your masks. Let's do it like this. Wherever there's a mask, that means somewhere you don't have intentions that are pure. Wherever there is a label, that means somewhere you don't feel like you have power. Wherever there is a constructed image, somewhere you don't feel like there's possibility. Wherever there is a judgment of other people, somewhere you're not being creative with your own life. But the means to the end of purest likeness, intentions, power, possibility, and creativity, how you get from this side to that side is through what? Beliefs from masks, 
to intentions, you've got to turn on the pivot point to God that is your true belief. What do I believe? Not what mask am I constructing? The way to turn to true power is to move from the labels and to transform your personal behavior. That's the pivot point. And that will lead you to true power in yourself, not over people. Now, when I say power, I don't mean like power on TV with ghosts. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about that ghost power, right? I'm about the Holy Ghost power. I'm just playing. No, but really, I am. You know, it's like how the Holy Spirit empowers you to live a different life with your behavior. And that gives you a power within yourself that makes it so that you don't need power over nobody else. Image. Wherever there is an image, right? The pivot point to turn to your purest likeness are your thoughts. Your thought life can transform the image you're trying to create into the true possibility you want to live out. But today, 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 we're going to move through all of these. So I double dog dare you to invite your friends to come every week and watch us move and pivot from our ego to our purest likeness by turning to face Christ, by turning through the power of the Holy Spirit, by turning as held by God, right? Today, we're going to talk about moving from judgment through a new way of speaking or not speaking to creativity. We're going to move from judgment to speech to creativity. Let's say it together. Ready, read. Judgment to speech to creativity. Now, Marlon, what does this have to do with Christ? Where's the gospel? Where's the gospel? Just a note of inquiry for you. You know the word, anybody know what the word gospel represented in the ancient times? The good news. Do you know the context of the word gospel, good news. So when Rome would advance, a person who was a, a, a proclaimer would stand up on a, on a shoebox, and that person would say, good news, or I have the gospel. Rome has advanced in Africa. Rome has advanced in Asia. Rome has advanced in Persia. Rome is advancing, right? The gospel truly is a way for you to communicate how you can what? Advance in life, how you can move from where you were to where you are and to where God is calling you, from, from who you ain't into who you're becoming in the name of Jesus. First Corinthians is a really beautiful way to express the gospel. Take a good look, my friends. We get all that. God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks. It is essential as you turn from judgment through speech into creativity to know off the bat that if you are to be used by God in any significant way, and if God's get all of the glory per square inch out of the landscape of your life, you are going to be over what? Look. In other words, the people that God are, the people that culture is looking at most have the least capacity to reveal God's glory. The people that God are ignoring most, I mean the people that culture, not God, not God, the people that culture are ignoring most are the people who have the highest propensity to reveal the glory of God. Why? Because when God lifts them up, they can't give nobody the glory but who? But a person that the culture is celebrating probably has many attributes that they can use as a, a touch point for why they were successful. I mean, I'm intelligent. I mean, of course, you know, I'm smart. I come from this family. I have this pedigree. I have this degree. I have this. I have that. But when God uses people that are overlooked and he transforms their lives and when they lift Christ up, all men are drawn unto them. It is evident that it is only by the power of whom? God. So what I want you to do is to know that we overestimate being looked at and underestimate being overlooked. 
Then he says, that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. So no matter what you do to judge other people to make yourself look better, in the eyes of God, you will not grow any more creative by judging other people out of your mouths. God uses what the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses and chooses the nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. I just want us to, to rest with this for a little bit. I want the Holy Spirit to saturate this into your, the deepest part of your being. Dude, have you ever felt like you've been overlooked? Like you should have been asked to go on tour? Have you ever felt that you've been exploited? Like your ideas were used as someone else's? Have you ever felt like you've been abused? Can I let you know that we can re-narrate those stories of being overlooked, exploited, and abused? And in the narration, we find the title of that particular chapter, God Gets the Glory. Culture overlooks, exploits, abuses, but God uses nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. We move from judgment to speech to creativity. Marlon, that sounds really good, but man, practically, what does this look like in every moment? Man, I'm so happy that you asked. I'm trying to contain myself because this here is so live. This is going to change everything. It's going to change everything. Notice without serving notice. Notice where there is judgment on someone else's part and don't judge. The power of noticing, keep going, thank you, Holy Spirit. Notice, don't serve notice. Ego tells us we must make a judgment and serve people notice. I serve you notice, you're doing me wrong. <laughs> I serve you notice in the name of Jesus that you ain't right, right? <laughs> Pure likeness believes we must take time to notice as much as possible to change as much as possible. Don't just notice the first time somebody does something negative to you and you just pop off. You know what I'm saying? No, take your time. Notice, all, notice the complete embodiment of how bad they are, how wrong they are, how terrible they are. Because in doing so, you may find an opportunity for you to create something new in your own life. Something for you to effectively judge about your own inability and transform that and then transform the whole relationship. But let me keep going. Take of notice. Everything before you say anything. Let's say, let's read this. Ready? Read. Take of notice everything before you say anything, or what you say mean may mean nothing. Oh Lord. Let me say this for the for the podcast listeners. Podcast listeners, I'm not judging you, but you should be here. You should be here with us, baby. Take of notice everything before you say anything, or what you say may mean nothing. Have you heard somebody say something to you, and they just say a couple of words, and you just pop off, and you end up saying that something that later on you reflect on don't really mean nothing towards progress? It does not mean the gospel. The gospel means it don't advance nothing. You just pop off. You hear one word. Oh, no. What? Did you say what? I know you did not use that word. Yeah, but it, it, in the context of a sentence, you just heard the word. 
If you say anything about what you don't like before you take notice of everything, then what you say make, uh-uh, may take. No, it's not just not true. Danielle, listen, if I, what you say, Danielle, it is my podcast. But my little screen's so dumb deep, it's not your fault. If you say anything about what you don't like, no, I'm sorry, let me take, my screens are not dumb deep. They are from the spirit of God. Do you know that the, the subconscious mind does not have a sense of humor? So when we speak negative things to ourselves, the subconscious mind don't be like, ha, 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 you so crazy. Like, subconscious mind doesn't get sarcasm. If you say, dang, if I, like I just said, this dumb deep screen, the subconscious mind's like, oh my God, Marlene, you're dumb deep. The conscious mind may be, may be like, oh yeah, he's just playing. But the deepest part of our consciousness doesn't get that. So don't speak negatively about yourself, to yourself. Because the deepest part of yourself that informs your highest level of decision making doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> so you'd be like, man, you're so stupid. Oh my God, you're so stupid. The, con the conscious mind says, ah, ha, 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 that's funny. I know you're not really stupid. You just made a mistake. The subconscious mind says, oh my God, we're stupid. <laughs> Anyway, if you say anything about what you don't like before you take notice of everything, then what you say may take you out of your purest likeness. In other words, you hear a couple of words. You are a calm, cool, and collected, kind, compassionate person. You hear a couple of words that someone else says, you think that they are judging your capacity or your intellect, you immediately pop off. The very thing that they were challenging, you now have become. Somebody say, you mean, you're nasty, you're horrible. I ain't mean, I ain't nasty, I ain't horrible, I love you. You'd be like, what? <laughs> Just take notice. <laughs> Just notice. The longer you notice, like don't just serve notice off the rip. You know what I'm saying? Take notice of the full body of what they have to say so that you can make an effective assessment or judgment as to what you're supposed to do to advance, to become the gospel. Hashtag sipping my tea. Man, I love these things right here. I love these things right here. You know, we need to sip more tea, y'all. We don't be sipping tea. We be throwing hot tea in people's faces. We be like, what? <laughs> I love this one. No, please. Continue to attempt to insult my intelligence. I'll wait because clearly you have no idea whom you are dealing with. I love this. <laughs> just, just, just sip tea. <laughs> oh, you saw how he was like, oh, I got you. <laughs> see, well, see you, you ready to serve notice. You about to text notice right now. <laughs> you saw how he was like. <laughs> I am more like Prince than you. I do swing better than you, and you cannot do the splits like me with a guitar. <laughs> Walter's so cool. Walter's so cool. I love Walter. I love Walter. I love Walter. You skip school because you're sick, but I, see you at the but I saw you at the club that night. I, saw, I see you at the club that night. Oh, oh well, this is not mine. Somebody else's. <laughs> See, other people make mistakes too. None of my business though. I'm just drinking my tea. You know, m most times this one, we, we be on this though. Usually I'm <laughs> sipping tea. But for this nonsense right here, usually, podcast listeners, 
Usually, I'm sipping tea. But for this nonsense, I'm witnessing. Needed something a little stronger. <laughs> Y'all know we be on this hill, right? We get into an argument with somebody. You know what? Let me, I'm going to get a glass of wine. <laughs> I ain't playing with you. Guess what? Culture's job is to overlook. In the grand scheme, on the play of, in the play of life, there is some blocking. And the blocking says that people are supposed to hate. They're supposed to overlook. If God's going to use some part of your life, nine times out of ten, the people who have the most authority in the world will see that as something that need not be looked at if God's going to use it for his glory. So why do we fight so hard for people to look at and bring attention to the things that we think are important in life? If they don't give you attention, know that that area they don't bring attention to is what God wants to use intentionally to transform human culture. Notice what there is to see that is being overlooked. Oh my God. We focus so much on it being overlooked that we forget to notice what they're overlooking. We lose sight of what they're overlooking. And we look to them overlooking it. And when you look to them overlooking it rather than looking at what they're overlooking, you have just lost your vision. Don't lose sight of it trying to serve someone notice of how it is being overlooked. Has anybody ever, ever overlooked one part of you? <laughs> I remember when I was in school, man, Diodorus. Y'all remember Diodorus? Man, I came first day of school. I had them Diodorus on, and everybody had Diodorus on, right? Y'all know, know the girl. Oh, and she passed away. RIP, yeah, Michelle Anderson. The, the, first, the first person I ever liked, not more than my wife. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> Angel or not, in heaven or not. In heaven. <laughs> That's good. But do you have to take notice like this here, though? I'm going to eye squint it. I'm going to take you yeah, the side I notice. That's, no, you need both eyes to notice. You don't, you don't. <laughs> Face forward to notice. Don't side eye me to notice. I walked in school, me, everybody had Diodorus, the same kind I had. You know what I'm saying? And I was so busy trying to make sure that everybody saw my Diodorus <laughs> that I looked down. And I had smudged my brand new shoes. So, you know, you ran, I ran to the restroom and I got some little soap, you know what I'm saying? I was, and man, the smudge would not come out. That smudge made an indelible, I don't know what it was. But I was so focused on people noticing my shoes that I didn't notice to care for them myself. Guess what? We do that all day, every day, don't we? We want people to notice, to look at something about us, and we don't look to it for motivation to move forward, and we lose sight. Culture exploits. Please know that culture exploits. It's culture's job, it's people's job to feel that they can exploit what's most pure about you. Now, I'm not saying, uh, let me be clear. If someone ex is exploiting you to the point of danger, or to the point of um, taking away your intellectual or your physical property, no, stop. And don't let them do that. Don't let people hurt you. That's not what I'm saying. So if somebody walks up to you and somebody's abusing you in an abusive relationship, don't spend too much time taking notice if somebody is physically abusing you, and I'm not joking. The moment somebody hits you, you leave the building, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in those moments when someone is exploiting you, 
in the context of a relationship and you feel like you're being taken advantage of. Are you with me? Before you jump off, stop and take notice of everything. Take notice first of the thing that you believe they are exploiting. Hashtag ask Rachel. What they smell like? Dirt, grass, or outside? Which one? Finish the line. Looks like you got the milk, cereal, juice, or well cheese. Which one? Which one? Y'all don't know? Oh, Christina! Auntie Tina? Auntie Tina! Ask Auntie Tina! This from Juice, this from Juice the movie. Now this right here, um, um, yeah, I'm from Europe. <laughs> it's seven on the dot. You're in your what? I don't. <laughs> what? <laughs> I need to give you my black card. <laughs> just take my black card. All y'all, just take take my ID. <laughs> I, I I failed. I asked Marla. I failed. <laughs> Look, check this out though, dude, like, man, look, I've, I've studied African-American studies at Fisk University. It is a rigorous course of study. There is a goo gob of books you gotta read, a bunch of dates to memorize. Before we serve this woman notice for exploiting African-American culture, take notice of what she invested to celebrate the culture, take notice. Take notice of what she went through academically. Take notice of what she had to do to transform her life, to bring homage and honor to a culture. Yet we are quickly popping off with all these Ask Rachel things. We just, before we even taking full notes, we don't know nothing about the lady but what we've seen on uh, 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 blacknews.com. You know what I mean? <laughs> the black concrete, black Twitter, you know? Dude, take notice, man. Look at this woman. This woman is compassionate about her people. So compassionate that she became a participant observant of, of the people. She is a true cultural anthropologist. She immersed herself in the culture that she wanted to celebrate. Went to school to learn how to celebrate this culture. Joined the NAACP and worked up in the ranks in Spokane to ultimately become the president of the Spokane NAACP. Take notice, man. Take notice and stop and say to yourself, why don't we celebrate the purity? In other words, we take ourselves outside of ourselves trying to judge other people for exploiting us before we take an assessment and judge what's beautiful about what they're exploiting. Are you with me? Notice what is pure that is being exploited first. Notice what's pure. You know what, this person is exploiting my kindness. Don't taint what is pure by serving notice of how, please don't take a picture of that. Thank you, thank you, Walter. It's no problem, dude. Good, I'm glad you say what happened, Regina. Don't taint what is pure by serving notice of how it is being exploited. In other words, okay, let's, let's just stop. Give somebody, you give me an example. Has anybody ever had a good quality that someone has taken advantage of? Come on, name it, it's not rhetorical. Okay, ki kindness, kindness, okay. 
So let's say somebody, Daniel, talk about, talk about kindness generally. You don't have to mention names. Don't mention my name, but just, <laughs> just you know, don't, don't say, uh, don't use my initials, but just say in general, like what happened. Get your clean on. I get you yet who doesn't talk like that. Okay, okay, okay. So then what they're taking advantage of is your kindness because you're nice. So did you make a judgment of that person's character and immediately serve them notice? Or did you just take time to notice? You just noticed, right. But guess what? Sometimes people take advantage of our kindness and we lose sight of our kindness to serve them notice of how they've taken advantage of it and we become mean and nasty and rude. And when you do that, you turn from Paul, the Pauline proclamation to turn to Christ to find your purest likeness. He says, listen, though I look through a mirror dimly, when that which is perfect has come, I will see myself as I am what? Seen. So in the moments when you turn to serve somebody, notice away from the character that they are taking advantage of or exploiting to check them, you turn away not just from your purest likeness, you turn away from whom who created you? God. You become the antagonist of that person's soul rather than the protagonist of the deepest purposes of their soul. Culture abuses, man. People are going to abuse you, man. They're going to abuse you. They're going to abuse you, or at least try it, right? Hashtag McKinney. This is, my, this is my favorite. McKinney, Texas Police Productions presents Attack of the 14-Year-Old Black Girl. No cop is safe. I laughed at this, and then I saw, I saw this before I saw the video, and then I wept. You know, I thought about my, I thought about my baby girl. And I thought about, you know, what it was like to live in jail, because that's what would have happened next. I... Hey, officer. <laughs> I already called 911. <laughs> they on the way. Okay, I get it. We have been, no, no, they didn't make this. No, some, a satirist made this. Oh, no, please, the McKinney Police Department did not make this. Okay, good. Uh, a satirist made this, and, you know, again, it was abuse. A grown man's full body, by way of two knees, was on a 14-year-old girl's back, and she was abused. However, take full notice before you serve notice on Twitter. Notice what is powerful that is being abused. Don't be abusive while serving notice of what is being abused. Sometimes we focus so much on how a pure likeness of God. This girl was a pure likeness of God. She was a little girl. Now, she was popping off at the mouth. Now, y'all know that, right? She could have easily just made her way to the car, but she did. But that's not a law. Popping off at the mouth um, is not against the law. You know what I mean? And she did not deserve what she got. But I'm saying sometimes we don't take notice. So how do I take notice of that? I take notice of the full body of what happened. And I say to myself, it's time for me to do some authority training to my daughter. 
But if we just stop and want to serve notice, and we on Twitter, and our kids are acting up at the crib, we're like, hold on right quick. I got to send this. I got to send this Twitter right quick. You don't be treating our children like that. Sit down. Be quiet. You don't be treating. It's like, wait a minute. Wait. What? Everything we have, right thinking, the scripture says, right living, a clean slate, a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus. Don't turn away from your right thinking to serve somebody notice for judging your right thinking, for abusing your right thinking, for exploding your right thinking. Don't turn from your right what? Living to judge somebody and serve them notice for taking advantage of your right thinking, for exploiting your right thinking, for abusing your right thinking. Don't turn and serve notice for, and lose notice of your clean slate. Don't turn and serve notice and lose notice of your fresh start. Don't turn and serve, serve notice and, and lose notice of what you've been given by God, by way of Christ. Why? Because the scripture says that's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. Right thinking. Right living, clean slate, fresh start. These are the things you have to consistently perpetuate a notice of. Lastly, Marlon, I get you. What is a practice we can develop and not judge? The practice of noticing. The practice of noticing. Practice noticing. A practice for noticing is a walk in the park, time with loved ones, or an adventure alone. Um, rather than, you know, serving my daughter notice one day who, who walked up to me and said, Daddy, you know, where's my cell phone? I was like, you ain't about to get, you know, I was about to, you ain't about to get, no, who you think you are about a cell phone? I was like, why do you want a cell phone? She said, because I want to text like you text. You know what she was so rather than serving her notice, children don't have cell phones, baby girl, because you are a little girl. You don't. I said, let me, I said, wait a minute, let me take notice of this. She said that I want a cell phone so that I could text when you text. Oh, I noticed the full body of what she's saying. She's saying, you texting while you with me. So in order for me to be with you, I must need a phone to text. I was like, oh, snap. My daughter just told me that, the time that I spend with her is, is distracted by, she thinks, she calls, Eddie, you know, if you're on Instagram, she call it texting, you know what I mean? She just recently discovered Facebook because <laughs> she asked Regina the other day, Mama, Re Regina said, oh yeah, so-and-so got a picture of something. She said, Mama, is that on Facebook? <laughs> and she's for podcast listeners, she's for. Anyway, I took full notice of what she was saying without serving her notice of who I was as an authority in her life, and then we decided that we were gonna, instead of her going to, to do something else for one week, I stopped everything that I was doing. I messed up about three, four, five jobs, but it's okay. I was behind like two weeks as a result of it, but I took days off to do what some friends of mine and I called daddy school. And we scheduled like activities throughout the day, all day, like going to the beach, going to a local um, uh, airplane spy by, by our house, I mean, going to the park, I mean, all kinds of wonderful adventures. And, and when we went, um, and I, I was trying to practice. Walter, I want to let you know that the film that I'm about to show you, don't worry about that. Stop tripping. 
stop. Take notice of what's important. <laughs> We went to the beach, me and my boys, uh. Look at Zara, look at that. We had a blast, we had fun, we went all over the place, right? And I took notice, and the thing that I was able to take notice of most was my own daughter's face. Rather than serving her notice by being in my face about a phone, I took notice of what she was really asking me around the phone and took time off to be with her. And this is the result. Me and my baby becoming a closer union. I also took notice when I was at the canyon um, uh, out, out in the hill country and I was having a very frustrating time in a meeting and I just went outside, it was terrible. And uh, I went outside and I just looked up like, dear God, please help me. And I noticed these birds flapping around, and uh, I noticed that they were just like moving like sporadically. But the more I looked at those birds, I was like, these birds are having fun. They're playing a game. So my goal was to immediately go back into the meeting that I took a break from and to serve everybody in that meeting notice about how I was not gonna be taken advantage of anymore. But I took notice of these birds, and these birds gave me a unique sense of peace. Furthermore, my wife and I celebrated our 15th anniversary. And, uh, you know, I just took this, this weekend to really notice my wife. And she's so freaking beautiful. She's really a cutie patootie. And uh, I was just, you know, rather than arguing with her, you know, uh, I said, you know, let me not argue. Let me just take notice, take notice. And I took so many pictures of her that she didn't know I was taking of her. You know, just taking notice. A few pictures, just for me. And uh, <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> rather than serving my wife notice, right, for being the needle that she can be from time to time, needle, get up under my skin. From time to time, I decided to, to adore her skin, you know, to adore who she was. If we are to be the people that God has called us to be, we must be our purest what? Self. Self, purest likeness. The best way to become your purest likeness is to turn to God. And so we need to turn from judgment through speech to more creative ways to assess the problem and do something about it. So when you feel like you are being exploited, don't turn from what's being exploited to serve notice of what's being exploited because you will become unlike the likeness that the people are taking advantage of. Take time this week just to notice. The more you notice about what's being abused, exploited, or taken advantage of, the more of an assessment you can make about what you're supposed to do next. Get the full range of what's happening. If you're at a store and somebody's following you because of your skin color, just take notice. You know, uh, I took notice the other day and this person that was checking me out, I'll tell you a specific story as we close. She said, um, um, she said so it was, it was at this little counter and there was this, these pieces of paper right there. And uh, so I was like, you know, I, I placed my order. And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, is this your trash? 
And I was like, um, and, I, and I looked at it, and I was like, and I just looked at her. She said, yes or no? Is this your trash? And I just, I looked like this. I looked at her like this. I was like, she said, yes or no? I said, She walked away. She said, no, what, what did you say you wanted? I said, I said, oh, I wanted a blank, blank, blank. She's like, oh, okay. Then she came back. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. She's like, is this your paper? I was like, oh. I said, no. I said, it's not my paper. She's like, well, why didn't you answer in the first place? I said, well, I was noticing when you were asking me whether or not this is trash. And that's relative. Because it may be trash to me, but not to the person who owns it. But you now asking me if, if it's mine, I can effectively answer that question and say, no, it's, it's not mine. But I can't say whether or not it's trash or not because it isn't mine. The person who it belongs to may see it as extremely valuable, worth fighting for. So, sorry. She was like, oh, I probably should have just asked you whether or not it was yours or not. I was like, She's like, you know what, you have a good day. I was like, you too. Because <laughs> I was on that notice. But what if I was on serving notice? What you mean, yes or no, right? Let me see your manager, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Let me see the who, give me the owner, give me the general manager. I'm just taking myself out of myself, trying to serve her notice. Take notice all week, and in doing so, you will turn to your purest likeness. I challenge each and every one of you to not turn from the gospel, advancing your own character, to turn away to serve notice to someone else's. You will turn from God and turn to the worst part of who you are, and in doing so, lose God's purpose in every 